0: Well, good morning, church. Death could not hold him down. Those words this morning, that powerful video that we started with, he is risen. He is risen. Three words that changed it all. He is risen. Come on, have we got something to praise our risen King for in this place this morning? (laughs) Death, where is your sting? risen, conquering Savior Jesus, we honor you this morning, high and lifted up in this place. You said if you were lifted up, you would draw all men to yourself, all people. God, you had in your heart all people. In fact, the Bible says that you endured the cross for the joy that was set before you. And I believe this morning, Father, with all my heart, that the joy in the heart of the Son. There's all your children around the world, lost, hurting, broken, without hope, in desperate need of a Savior, who enjoy, enjoy, endure the cross, that we might be called sons and daughters of the most high living God. Jesus, we praise you. We praise you. Amen. Can we just celebrate him one more time this morning? Why don't you go ahead and take your seats? As JR said, we're so glad that you're with us this Easter Resurrection Sunday. It's like one of those weekends that you look forward to all year long. And actually, if you're new or newer around here, we've been teaching a series this month, really in the the run-up to... Resurrection Sunday throughout the month of April, we've been teaching a series called Life and Death. Life and Death, because I actually believe with all my heart that the life and death and life again, amen, of Jesus Christ is a matter of life and death for us. As we've been teaching this series, as we've spoken of the beauty, the mystery, and frankly, the real day, real-time application of, of what it means to... Follow an incarnational kind of God and live out an incarnational kind of ministry. As we've looked at Jesus' compassion and then his passion, today we turn to the resurrection. Resurrection life in God's house this morning. John 20 is one of the accounts of this moment we're going to read from this morning. John 20, if you don't have your Bible this morning, it'll be up on the screen for you as well. I'm going to pick it up in verse 11. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? (laughs) What's her reply? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. This is her first time seeing the resurrected Christ. She didn't realize it was Jesus, and he asked her, same question, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, I like this, (laughs) thinking Jesus is the gardener, she says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him." And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. The minute he said her name, she knew. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. There's something about it when God says your name. You ever had that sense that you were in a moment where God was speaking right to you, right to your heart? Mary had spoken with Jesus before, but this first time seeing him in his resurrected form, she, she at first doesn't recognize him, mistakes him for the gardener. But the minute he says her name, that heart connection. This isn't at all like what you would imagine if you were making a screenplay about this moment, if I was designing what it would look like in the moments after I had conquered death, I'm not sure this would have been the thing. This tells you everything about Jesus. I would have imagined this to be spectacular. I'm like, where's the pyrotechnics? Where's the crowds? Where's the trumpet sounds and angel armies? Where's the parade? (laughs) And instead, one-on-one, And in his day, especially, a woman says everything about Jesus, and he lovingly gives her a moment to gather herself, speaks her name, and sends her as the ambassador off to tell the boys (laughs) what's going on. Something about that, something about this moment, how personal it is, how intimate it is, how loving and tender it is, should tell you something about the heart of Jesus. No fanfare. No crowds. He just conquered death. No big deal. Just conquered death, you know. <laughs> Bruised his heel on Satan's head, you know, liberated humanity and comes back and takes time at his tombstone with a woman, a grieving woman. And then he says this. He says, don't hold on to me because I haven't ascended yet. That's next week's message. As we round out this series, next week we're going to talk about ascension. <laughs> yeah. When Jesus returns to the right hand of the Father, to pray for you and I, and the Holy Spirit falls. But he says, he says I'm going to return to... What he, uh, this phrase has been with me all week. He says, to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. There's a lot of mystery wrapped up in those phrases. I mean, for one thing, this tells you something about the Trinity, the Godhead, three in one. That Jesus all at once can be God and yet be returning to God, Right? <laughs> because he's fully God and fully man, son of God and son of man. So it tells you something about the Trinity, but it also also reminds us that Jesus brought us a new understanding of, of God, the Father, because, you know, really Israel to this moment has known God as God Almighty, the Lord God, Yahweh, God of angel armies. But Jesus brings this new facet to our understanding of God, Father God. And it's not just any longer, it's not just my Father, I only do what I see my Father doing. But now Jesus says, I'm returning to my Father and to your Father. That's a gift of grace, no longer, no longer simply servants in His kingdom, but sons and daughters, amen? So what does the resurrection mean? To you and I together now, 2,000 plus years later, what what, what does it mean to us, the resurrection? I I think it means a few things. And I think one truth that we need to be reminded of this morning is that Jesus' resurrection offers us new life. Did you hear me this morning? Jesus' resurrection offers us new life. It's not just historical, it's personal. It's easy to look at the resurrection and suppose it's just good news for Jesus, which I suppose it was. (laughs) It was good news for Jesus, but it was so much more. This is not just yay for Jesus. Death could not hold him down. It's not just good news for him. This is ultimately about about us. Jesus has conquered death, but now he leads us from death into life. We We had a beautiful... Good Friday service in here, and J.R. preached a powerful message. One of the things that he said that I love was he pointed out how all week he's been dwelling on the fact that the the crowds and even the soldiers who tortured Jesus had tormented him and taunted him, saying, if you're the Messiah, save yourself, because that's what they thought a powerful person would do, I suppose, save yourself. But the whole mission was to save us. Actually, if you really think about it, he could have saved himself. All the legions of heaven's armies at his disposal, he could have saved himself, but instead he chose to save us. And that tells you everything about the heart of our risen conquering king. Romans 8 verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, it says he raised, oh sorry, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Come on, his resurrection is the key to ours in his life, is our life, because of his spirit who lives in you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, now alive in us. See, his resurrection is our hope of life everlasting. The resurrection of Christ is our means of escape. An opportunity to cross from death into life. I actually still remember the moment that I did <laughs> in a church service. I mean, you can, you can come to Christ anywhere, anytime, but for me, it was in a service not dissimilar to this in some ways, I guess. And somebody had been preaching about Jesus and sharing the gospel. And, you know, at that moment, you know, my family had some understanding of the things of God, I guess. You know what you would call, we were, we were kind of what you'd call classic CEO Christians, right? CEO, like Christmas and Easter only. That was our family on a good year. Felt very spiritual. <laughs> and so that's all right, everybody starts somewhere. But for us, the, the, the key was we knew some things about God, but we didn't have a relationship with God. And His Lordship didn't really mean anything to us in our day in and, and day out. And so when I heard the good news of Jesus at the age of 16, I responded with faith in my heart. Pray to prayer. In fact, I remember lifting a hand. In those days, you used to walk to the front. <laughs> I remember getting out of that aisle, walking all the way down to the front, standing with a group of other people, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, repenting of my sin. What's that mean? Just turning from my old way of, of living, asking God for forgiveness, a brand new start, washed white as snow. And I spent almost 30 years now Living out that prayer, that promise, discovering the wonder of his life in me. Sinclair Ferguson said, we are adopted into God's family through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, in which he paid all our obligations to sin, the law, and the devil in whose family we once lived. Our old status lies in the tomb. A new status is ours through his resurrection. Amen to that. Watchman Nee, he wrote it this way. He said, our old history ends with the cross. Our new history begins with the resurrection. And that's the mystery that we embrace on this weekend between Good Friday, called Good Friday because we know the end from the beginning, amen? His sacrifice, our, our, our old status, our old life. Left in that tomb, a new history, a new status begins with his resurrection. See, long before his own death and resurrection, Jesus was already in the death-conquering business. <laughs> in fact, he, he, you've heard of wedding crashes. Jesus was a funeral crasher in <laughs> Luke 7. He wrecked a funeral in all the right ways. If you're going to mess up a funeral, this is the way to do it. Luke 7 verse 11, it says, Jesus went to a town called Nain, And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So pause for a second, the context here. In their day, in that culture, she already vulnerable as a widow, let alone to have lost her only son. This is a desperate time for her. Bad enough for the grief and the loss, but, but the prospect of hopelessness. And this is what it says. it says, it says, when the Lord saw her, verse 13, listen, his heart went out to her. Did you hear that? Yeah. You know, we can imagine that these miracles were kind of showy displays of power, but we've got to understand something of the heart of God. Oftentimes in the scripture, we preached about it a couple weekends back, we did a message on compassion and we looked at many times in the New Testament that it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Yeah. That compassion isn't just something that Jesus felt. It compelled him to act. And it ought to do the same in us. It says his heart went out to her. But I love that it doesn't end there. He doesn't just feel for her. We can so often just feel for the hurting in our community, in our world, in our family. But he says to her, don't cry. Funny thing to say at a funeral. (laughs) Unless you happen to be Jesus and no, there's no need for all of that. You can stop the crying. He says to her, don't cry. And then it says he went up. And touched the beard that they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. <laughs> and they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. Listen, God has come to help his people. That's the heart of God right there. God has come to help his people. No wonder we call him, you know, at the, at the announcement that, that, that Mary would be pregnant with Jesus, the Messiah, the instruction to Joseph, who was engaged to be married to Mary, was, was that you shall call him Jesus, but they will call him what? Emmanuel. Yeah. Yeah. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God has come to help his people, and the news spread about Jesus throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Second truth that the resurrection should remind us of two millennia later is that Jesus' resurrection provides us an eternal hope. Hope. It's about hope, church. Hope in Jesus. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed, blessed be the God And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You have an inheritance, a blessing, a treasure awaiting you that won't be blemished or stolen or taken but it says that we are born again to, to what? It says to a, a living hope. Yeah. One of the songs that we've been singing this last year or two, a beautiful song called Living Hope, is a reminder that we don't just have hope. We have, thanks to what we celebrate today, church, in Jesus, in the empty tomb, yeah. we have a living hope. Yeah. Our hope is in a, a living Savior. We need hope. Yeah. Amen? Have you ever felt hopeless, really hopeless? Maybe somehow you ended up in our service this morning, and to be honest, that describes pretty well how you feel right now. Well, I got good news for you. I got good news for you. There is a living hope. There is a risen King who not only provides us hope for heaven hope for eternity, but hope for the here and now. Thanks to Jesus, we don't just hope in vain. Thanks to Jesus, it's not just kind of wishful thinking, (laughs) optimism. We have a living hope. One of our community was courageous to share their testimony this Easter. Very personal story of meeting God and finding hope And the reality of God and his voice in a dark and a desperate season, a time of pain and trouble, discover that the hope of Christ is real. And I want to take a couple moments here in the middle of this message to play for you his story.
1: Um, One of the first moments that I met Jesus was when um, I was just in a a dark spot and I was questioning um, if I even had value at all. And uh, so my, my first encounter with Jesus was him telling me that I had value when no one else around me was really telling me that. It was just a simple word of I love you. When um, you know my, my family moved to Nashville uh, for my dad to pursue music and um, music was always a part of his life and so naturally he fell into uh, the, the line of uh, worship leader at our church. Um, so the whole community knew him as a as um, a spiritual leader. And um, when he would get off that stage and and we'd go home, he was full of just uh, torment and uh, and he brought me uh, into his his anger in a way that was uh, forceful and, and violent. and that was kind of the start of a long, uh, long 20 years of, of uh, just brutal anger and chaos so when I, w- I was a kid uh, I had like this this random fear uh, of uh, super claustrophobic and uh, of course my, my dad knew that he got to the point where he would you know he would come over and, and grab me and he'd tackle me and he would get me on the ground and and cover my whole body with his um and wrap my arms and, and legs and, and give me a chokehold. In that moment when I would, it's like, it's like going underneath the ocean. It made me feel like unhuman. My mouth wasn't covered. I would, I would just, I would just weep. I would weep and beg, please, please stop. I, like I would tell him, like, you know what this is doing to me. Well I was in, in those moments, um, in the midst of it, when I was being held down and I experiencing that mental just breakdown um, it really felt hopeless but right after that uh, you know after um, experiencing that I would go off and uh, find some you know corner to crawl into and just just weep and, and shake and just feel broken and, and uh, in that moment uh, that voice would come it was uh, it was sweet and simple and so silent, uh, and it had to be silent, and, and because of what chaos did to me, um, and so Jesus, He knew how to find me. He knew how to speak the simple words and in, in the quiet that I needed to hear in that moment, and His just His presence there was was power over my situation, and it was a hope for a future that wasn't there yet. I left to go to Florida. I had a dream that God said just walk to the coast, and uh, I didn't know what that meant. And Florida was about the only coast I knew, so I went towards there. One day I was in my apartment. I was just praying, and the Holy Spirit said, like, uh, "There's some guys outside, and I want you to go meet them." Immediately, I just, I just felt it's like an instant friendship. You know, it's my first experience of of meeting someone else who knew the God that I knew and it was such a powerful moment uh, for me. And we ended up uh, hearing about this church in uh, Fort Lauderdale. I remember walking in that room and just instantly f- feeling that confirmation that, wow, this, this is who I've been speaking to for the past 20 years. This internal world was, was coming out. It was now becoming my external world, and which was uh, so powerful for me um, because I had thought I was alone. I thought. Maybe Jesus is in my head. Maybe the experience of the Holy Spirit, that's it's not real because the reality is out here and it's dark. But walking into that room, it confirmed to me that it, it was real. It was real. And Jesus went to the cross and he said, you know, why, why are you forsaking me? That was, that was a, a pit moment where it seemed like there was absolutely no hope. It was death. That was the end but god's perspective in that moment isn't good friday it's it's resurrection sunday it's always that there's life on the other side god wants us to have that perspective in the pit he wants us to partner with him and see that there is resurrection life even in that moment that's why he created us is to is to experience the fullness of him, even in the bad moments, because the reality is, he's good, he's powerful, he's full of peace, even in those dark moments. And, um, and so on the other side of that uh, is the fullness of Jesus.
0: Mm. We honor you for sharing that story. I that took courage to share, and I think it speaks to the importance of us understanding that we have a living hope, a real savior, in real pain, in real darkness, in our darkest hours, that God can meet us right there, and that he never, never, never leaves us. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Isn't that often where we need the, need the visions in our heart? The eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Listen, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Called you to hope, Church the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. It's that same power. In the dark hour, it's that same power that calls us to hope to an inheritance, and to experience the power that raised Christ from the dead. Basil Hume said the great gift of Easter is hope, Christian hope, which makes us have confidence in God, in his ultimate triumph, in his goodness and love, which nothing can shake. Third truth I'm reminded of this morning is that Jesus' resurrection... Proves he's the Son of God and the Savior of the world. The resurrection is a dividing line. The resurrection changes everything. You know, the, the resurrection is kind of the culmination in many ways of the fulfillment of as many as 300 Old Testament prophecies, many of them stunningly specific, about the Messiah being anticipated for generations that Jesus would fulfill, and particularly in and around his death and resurrection. Romans 6, 9 says, says, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. and Death has no longer has mastery over him. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 15, 14 says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching's in vain. <laughs> It's good to remind ourselves. It's literally the dividing line. It is everything or it is nothing at all. If he's not been raised, our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That's a good encouragement this morning for everybody. (laughs) I like how Tim Keller, one of the great pastors in our city, put it. He said, if Jesus rose from the dead, you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, why worry about any of what he said? (laughs) The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching. Boy, isn't that a sign of the times? Yeah. What's palatable? What's, what's kind of what's tweetable, postable, right? It's not whether you like his teaching, it's whether or not he rose from the dead. That should be the dividing line of everything. After the resurrection of Jesus, just in biblical records alone, Jesus appears on at least 12 different occasions to a total of more than 500 people. And he's seen, he's heard. On some occasions, it's noted that he's even touched. And to which Billy Graham writes, he said, there's more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived. Or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. It's strange that historians will accept thousands of facts for which they can produce only shreds of evidence. But in the face of overwhelming evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they cast a skeptical eye, and hold intellectual doubts. The trouble with many people is that they don't want to believe. Well, that's the truth right there. Can I give you one more truth this morning for us? The resurrection, Jesus' resurrection is not some, simply something to be taught, but someone to be experienced. It's not just something. Yes, it's historically factual. Yes, it happened. Yes, it's a, it's a thing. But more importantly, the, the resurrection of Jesus is an invitation for you and I to relationship and to experience that same resurrection power, to experience life in Christ. It's always sort of struck me as a twist of irony, a plot twist, that of all the things that would trigger Jesus' road to the cross, It would be him raising his friend from the dead, that it would be his saving of someone else that would trigger the religious elite of the day to draw a line in the sand, say no more, and trigger the events that would lead to his trial, his crucifixion, death, and resurrection. His friend Lazarus had been sick, sick enough that people sent message to Jesus. They were worried about him. Jesus was only a short distance from him at the time. But by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, Lazarus is gone, four days dead. They're already in the middle of the funeral in the morning. And in John 11, verse 17, it says, when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around. Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And then Martha, as she heard Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. So she has faith for the past, if you had been here. But I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And Jesus sort of gives her a little test of faith. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So faith for the past, faith for the future. And then what does Jesus reply to her? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And then Jesus speaks that name, Lazarus, come out, and everything changes. The key to me is in the present tense, not just faith for the past, and not just faith for the future, but Jesus says, I am. In fact, in the Old Testament, God revealed one of his names is, I am that I am, that's a mystery. The self-existent one. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't just have life. He is life. He doesn't just know the way. He is the way. And doesn't just have truth or know truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I actually know someone who was raised from the dead. Family that we knew well in Australia, three brothers, the eldest of them, pastors, Hillsong Melbourne these days, Tim Douglas. Second brother, JD, one of the worship leaders for Hillsong United. But Tyler Douglas, the youngest of the three brothers, drowned as a boy. I think we've got a picture of him. He drowned as a toddler. They don't know how long he was in the water. By the time his mom found him, he was not just drowned, but he was blue, bloated, and cold. The paramedics got on the scene, it was clear to them, it was all over. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, we're not talking, it's not just that there's no heartbeat, there's no signs of life at all. He's gone. But she called the elders of the church. They came, they brought oil, anointed him, prayed for him. I think the paramedics were completely confused. What's happening here? This is like beyond hope. There's no chance. But little by little, you can tell (laughs) the end from the beginning, things begin to stir and change. Little signs of life, a little heartbeat, and all the way, they're raining on her faith parade, telling her, well, even if he survives, he'll be brain dead. Even if, even if he stirs, he'll be in a coma. There he is worship. He's one of the worship leaders for Hillsong Young and Free these days. I think he made a pretty incredible recovery, but it's a reminder to me, yeah, praise God that these aren't just historical facts or ancient truths, but they're powerful realities for us today. Come on, there's one of my worship team. Come join me. Somebody, somebody come. I ain't got time to read the whole story, but one of the things that I love that Jesus did after his resurrection, he has all of these personal moments like he did with Mary. He has this moment with two guys walking on a road, two followers of Jesus that have heard rumors that he's alive, but they're grieving and they're mourning and they're, they're walking away and, and Jesus walks with them on the road talks with them patiently. They haven't recognized him, just like Mary didn't recognize him. And he's sharing right from the, the book in the beginning from Genesis all the way through the prophets, how the Messiah would come. And Still, they don't realize under this moment that Jesus breaks bread. And suddenly they realize, as Mary did when he spoke her name, this is him. And in uh, Luke 24, verse 31, it says, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And in that moment, he disappeared. <laughs> I love Jesus. In that moment, he disappears. And they said to each other, listen, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us, and within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem, they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, and they said, the Lord has really risen. And he appeared to Peter. He's really risen, Did in our hearts, burn within us. It wasn't until later that they realized we'd be walking with Jesus. Jesus was with us while we were all up in our doubt and we're not sure. And somebody said they saw him, but we saw him die. And Jesus quoting the Bible. I mean, he is the word and he's quoting the word. They're just walking along like nothing. Anyone? Anyone? You know? Jesus walking with them, and it's not until he breaks the bread, and they remember that last supper, suddenly they realize it's him. And their reflection is this, didn't our hearts burn within us? I kind of feel that's one of the best descriptions of the presence of God, the loving, tender drawing of us to salvation. It's a beautiful scripture that says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I see the kindness of God, the kindness of Christ, his patience, just 40 days from the resurrection to his ascension, and the patience to walk with two people who didn't even recognize him, but their hearts burned. He's walking with some of us. He's walking with some of you this morning. I think there are some in this room, and your heart's burning within you. And I want to extend an invitation on behalf of that risen Savior to you this morning to receive Him and to receive His eternal life, to receive salvation, forgiveness, hope, peace. Listen, made possible by what we remember this weekend, made possible by His death, and made possible by his resurrection. Last scripture, Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Jesus is Lord. I sat with a group of pastors a couple weeks ago, listened to a hero, mentor of mine, a brilliant author by the name of Alan Hirsch. He was talking about the subject, Jesus is Lord, and he made an astute observation. He was born in South Africa, raised in Australia, living in New York right now, but he made this observation of our modern culture. He He said, as Americans, we're often ready to receive Jesus as Savior, but we don't receive Him as Lord. But you know, the truth is, it's only in surrender that we are saved. To surrender ownership, lordship of our life, come live in me, to turn from our own way of living and to follow him. That's your invitation this morning. I want to invite every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed all across this place. Could there be a more fitting way? To honor the sacrifice of Good Friday, could there be a more fitting way to celebrate and embrace the life that is Resurrection Sunday than for you this morning to make your peace with God? As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, all across this place, if if this morning you would say, you know what? Jesus is not my Lord. You, know, you might well believe in him. That's a good start. But the truth is, if you haven't confessed him, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then there's an opportunity for you this morning to go from just believing in God or that there is a God to following him. He wants to save you forgive you and give you a brand new start. And what I want to do, as others are praying quietly for you this morning, is if that's you and you say, Paul, when you pray in a minute, would you please include me? Because today is my day. Maybe for the very first time, you're going to give your life to God today. Or or maybe at some point along the way, you would have called yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, but you lost your way or you chose a different path. And today, you're making your own conscious decision to come home and you want to join with others in praying this prayer, all I want to ask you to do, one simple thing, as an act of faith, if that's you, and you say, Paul, when you pray, please include me. I'm going to pray this prayer and make it my own. Can I just ask you, right where you sit, lift up your hand in the air. I'll see it, and you can put it down again. Yeah, all across the place. Lift them up high and proud, here and here and here, here and here. There are others this morning. Come on, there and there. Is there anyone else this morning that would accept the invitation of the cross and the empty tomb. Last call, if you haven't raised your hand, but you know you should, would you raise it now? And we're gonna pray right where you sit.